Today on Telling the Truth, Jill concludes her message, The Cutting Edge, and shows you the role you play in maintaining your spiritual edge so you can be effective in the work God has called you to do. Your partnership is vital to keep God's Word going out all over the world through Telling the Truth. So as thanks for your support today, we'll send you Stuart Briscoe's six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World. Request your copy when you give today and discover how God's Spirit is working within you to renew your mind and transform your life, no matter what's happening around you. Call 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Jill with part two of her message, The Cutting Edge. Never think of myself as a senior. The second time I got up to speak, my husband leant over to me and said, Jill, what does it feel like to have a child who is a senior? Ah! David had just had his birthday. Sorry, Dave. Had to tell him that. (laughs) That's when you feel old. When you as a senior, 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 have a senior child. Amazing. So here we are at the cove. Stuart's being introduced and they ask him, how long have you been married, you and Jill? And he says, 51 years. 51 years. And they said, what is the secret of your long and happy marriage? Well, he didn't say who said it was happy. I was glad he didn't say that. He just looked at them and said, keep your promises and live a long time. (laughs) Keep your promises and live a long time. That's it. You keep your promises. You get honest. You get honest with God and you get honest with each other. And you stay honest. And you keep your promises. You live a long time. It's the secret of a happy life. And with God, it's the same with any relationship, especially a relationship with God. You keep your promises and live a long time. This is not one great leap. You don't become a Christian and that's it. Then you just do Christian things. It's a moment-by-moment walk in the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. It's keeping in step with the Spirit. And when you lose it, you'll know it. I mean... Do you think he knew it? Of course, you lose the edge. How could he not know it? But we're not honest. Illustrate that. When we were missionaries, 13 years, my husband away a long time, I got bitter and I lost my edge. But I'd learned to be the Christian, the little good missionary. I knew what to do as a little good missionary. You had a Jesus smile. I could do that. I did the right things. I was out in the streets doing evangelism every night. And inside I was bitter and resentful. I was fed up. And there was a daddy space in my children's lives and I got very bitter and angry. So I would sit on the back row. That's what I did to remove myself from any power of the preacher to get to me. It's a funny thing. But I usually sit in the front row because I want to get every word. But I removed myself and I was trying not to listen to Major Ian Thomas preach one day and suddenly he got me. He said, some of you have lost your edge. He used other words. And everybody knows. And he got me and I thought, no, they don't. I started to argue with him. I thought, I know how to be a missionary. I know how to be a Christian. I know what to do. I know the hymns to sing. I know the things to say. 
And he said, everybody knows because they're not receiving anything from you. You're not clearing the clearing. You're not cutting down the trees. And God's spirit spoke to me and I thought, oh, right. When was the last time I led somebody to Christ? When was the last time I went out in the streets for no other reason than my heart was breaking for the kids that didn't know Christ and didn't know God? Couldn't remember. I'd lost it. I wouldn't admit it. And I just kept on bashing the trees with the handle. That's the way you hurt the trees, nothing else. Useless. And I went to get help. Very humbling to go and get help. I got honest. And my Elisha, who happened to be Mrs. Ian Thomas, said to me, where'd you lose it? That's what he said to this young man. Where'd you lose it? That's what I'm saying to you in the name of God. Where'd you lose it? Which river? Which river? Willfulness? I'm going my way. I've quit going God's way. I'm doing my plan. I'm not doing his plan. Making your own plans. Remember Steve Brown's quote, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Do you come to Christ and all you wanted to do was serve him, go anywhere, anytime, anything? What happened? Where'd you lose it? Was it in the river of bitterness or, like me, unforgiveness? You know, forgiveness is our hardest work. It's done on your knees. There's a lot of pain. And some of you have been terribly hurt and terribly abused and terribly used and misused. Very hard to forgive. But you'll lose your edge if you don't. And you say, but I did. Did you? Any strings attached? Did you say, I forgive them if they'll forgive me? Maybe not in words. Were the strings attached to your forgiveness so you could pull it back and harbor a grudge? Well, if they come back and respond to me saying, sorry, then I'll forgive them. Get honest. Lewis Smead says, you have to forgive one hurt at a time. I love this quote. Ordinary people forgive best if they go at it in bits and pieces. And for specific acts, forgiveness carte blanche is silly. Only God can do that. And he is God. And I am not. That helped me hugely. One hurt at a time. One day at a time. One prayer at a time, you forgive in bits and pieces. You forgive. No conditions. Not, I'll forgive them if they forgive me. I'll forgive them if they respond to me. They may never respond. You want to go to heaven with a grudge? And that grudge becomes the thing that destroys you inside. Because you want vengeance. You want them to crawl and admit it. That's where you left and lost it. And that grudge becomes that creature that you can recognize with horns and tail and all. Which voice are you listening to? Which voice are you listening to? Or it could simply be laziness or busyness. You know, you don't have to have murdered your mother with an axe to be in my sermon today. It's not about big sins and little sins. There are no big sins and little sins. All sin is big sin. Got it? 
All sin is big sin because sin is coming short. And you might have come very short or you might have come a little bit short, but all of us are in this together. And the devil looks at us and he knows our Achilles heel and it might be sensualness, the river of sensualness. And it might be putting on your computer and seeing the porn and refusing to put your hand just for a second so that image is in your mind and he can't get rid of it. That's where you lost it. Or it might be anger, losing your temper. There's no big and little sins, all sin. And the devil doesn't care whether it's a big sin or a little sin, just so you lose your edge. It's all he's after. He'll let you come to church. He'll let you be in the Bible study. He'll let you go on a missions trip. Fine. As long as there's no power there. In fact, you might be quite useful to him in that state. Where'd you lose it? Or just dullness, bluntness, that's a sin. Lukewarmness, Jesus said, that's a sin. I wish you were hot or cold, he says, you make me sick. Read Revelation. If only you were hot or cold, you're neither one thing or another, you're blunt, you're useless. Matters very much to the Holy Spirit of God because we're grieving him if we are not in touch with him, in power, in strength, if we're not cutting down the trees, if we're not getting the kingdom built, if we're not an example of God's called out people who, despite our selfish selves, want to be holy. And you show him the place. Will you show him the place today? Will you go there and say, that's where it lost? Today, Jill is discussing your role in maintaining or regaining your spiritual edge. We'll get back to her in just a moment. But first, here's a note from a listener named Douglas who wrote in to say, I've been listening to Stuart and Jill for a few years now. I love how they deliver God's message of hope and promise to a dying world. The Bible is timeless and will always be awe-inspiring to those who believe. Thanks again. May God continue the good work he has designed for the both of you. Thanks, Douglas. That's the impact your support today can have as you help take the life-changing message of salvation to a broken and hurting world. The truth is that each day, from every corner of the planet, we're reminded that things aren't how they're supposed to be. But the Bible offers hope for this brokenness. And in Stuart Briscoe's insightful six-message series, Thinking clearly in a messed up world, he'll help you see how God works in you to transform and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you. You'll dive into Romans 12 to discover how you can respond with wisdom and courage in today's most distressing circumstances. As you sharpen your mind and strengthen your heart through God's truth, you'll discover his grace for navigating the confusion and pitfalls of life in this fallen world. Thinking clearly in a messed up world is our thanks for your gift to help more people experience life through the resources and teachings of telling the truth. So request your copy of Stuart's series when you give today. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388 or give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Jill with more of her message, The Cutting Edge. 
I remember talking to a young man. I knew him. He was one of my youth leaders. Wonderful young man. And I remember the day about 15, 20 years ago when he came to me down at the front. In fact, it was in the other chapel. That's how long it is. And Stuart had been preaching on sensualness. And he came up to me and he said, Jill, I need you to help me. I've lost my joy. And I said, oh, where'd you lose it? He said, no, 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 I just need you to pray for me so I get my joy back. Would you help me find my joy? I said, where'd you lose it? He said, that's not to do with it. I said, yes, it is. I can't help you unless you tell me, did you have your joy? Well, yes, of course. You know me, I'm the life and soul of the party. Didn't you notice I'd lost it? I said, yes, I did, actually. I did. He said, well, I lost it and, and I want it back. So would you pray for me? And I said, where'd you lose it? took me quite a while, but in the end he said, well, I did have it till I moved in with my girlfriend. Ah, I said, that'll do it. It's where you lost it. It's where you lost it. That's where you lost it. And you can't get it back until you show him the place. And only God can bring it back. Only God can cleanse our sin. Only God can renew the relationship with the Holy Spirit because we've been being unholy over here. And Elisha said, in the power of God, and he took a stick and he threw it in the water. You've got to apply the stick. You've got to apply the wood. You've got to apply the benefits of the death and resurrection of Christ to the place you lost it. And God will bring it back within reach. That's God's part. What's our part? Take it. You're appropriate. You say sorry. And you get on clearing the forest. Where'd you lose it? Bitterness, unforgiveness, sensualness, worldliness, silliness, stupidness, just selfishness, indulgence, appetite. Drunkenness, gluttony, whatever. Devil doesn't care as long as you lose it, as long as I lose it. No small sins. Anything will do. I think many of you have heard me tell the story of being in the air on 9-11, flight 929, trying to get back from Siberia to Chicago. Planes go into the Twin Towers, down they come. Pilot comes on and makes an announcement, I've got to get you down at Gander, Newfoundland. Can't tell you till I get you on the ground what's wrong. Young doctor sitting next to me and we began to talk. I said, what do you think's wrong? He said, the plane. I said, I do too. I've never heard this noise. What do you think this noise is? He said, I've no idea. Pilot comes back on, he says, don't worry about the noise, the plane's fine. I'm just emptying the gas into the ocean because we've too much. Going to get you down, emergency landing at Gander. Well, our hearts calmed down a little bit. And my first thought was not particularly spiritual or very nice. I said to the Lord, I do love you, Lord. I just wasn't expecting to meet you like now. (laughs) Isn't it funny? We talk about really wanting to see him face to face, but when we're faced with it, we don't want to do it just now. And I know he smiled and there was a twinkle in his eye and he said to me, Jill, that's all right. I put eternity in your heart, the will to live forever. 
Nobody wants to die, even if you're dying horribly of cancer. Nobody wants to die. This will to live, the doctors don't understand it. But God put eternity in our heart, and that's why I didn't want to see him just then. It wasn't that I didn't love him. So then I go on to other things and other thoughts. And he gives me a verse from the scripture. Every day is ordained for you before one of them comes to me. Every day ordained for you before one of them comes to me. Psalm 139, 16. And I thought about that and I thought that means nothing can happen to the child of God outside the will of God. Nothing can happen to me outside of his will. I believe it. Therefore, this airplane seat is the exact place that he ordained for me this day. Every day ordained for you, set apart for you. I knew this was going to happen. You're in the right place. You're with the right people. And I was able to begin to focus on 418 people from 18 different nations on flight 929 whom I was about to spend, though I knew it not, six and a half days on a floor in the Salvation Army Hall in Gambo, Newfoundland. I had no idea. But I started to get excited. And immediately, the battle began. I knew I had to be sharp. I knew I had to be in touch. And I didn't think there was anything particularly wrong at that moment. But suddenly, the pilot came back on and said... Look, I know many of you are hungry. I'd come from Siberia. I was very hungry. We had eaten last just coming out of London a long time ago. He said, unfortunately, we are to be on the ground 12 hours when we land because we have nobody to process us. The plane will be sealed. We don't know why until we get some people to come on and release us. Now we have water, but we have no food. And immediately... Two voices, you always have two voices, began to talk to me. And I began to talk to two voices. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Jill, did you forget you have some cookies in your bag that you picked up at Moscow Airport, remember? Oh, yeah. And then he said, look at this little old lady. She's even older than you. I didn't believe that. And she's so hungry. She's crying. She's frightened. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you gave one of the cookies to this little lady and then maybe she will say, why are you doing this? And you can tell her about me. Yeah. And look at this little boy. He's two years of age. You could give the next cookie to him because he's howling with hunger and his poor mother doesn't know what to do and those howls are driving everybody crazy. (laughs) Why don't you give one to him? And then I had this wonderful thought that I would get up and start and walk around the aeroplane and as I gave out my six cookies, they would never stop. (laughs) (laughs) Till everyone was fed and there'd be 12 cookies over. So here I am with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. God knew I was going to spend six and a half days with those people. What a wonderful opportunity to be kind, to be unselfish. Now then the other voice comes. And the other voice says to me, why don't you wait until everyone's asleep? And then nipple them all by yourself. (laughs) And folks, that's what I did. I ate my cookies. All six. 
and I lost my edge. Right there, right in the middle of this grand adventure. The God had taken no end of trouble to get me in that seat with these people, note. And I had, because I was hungry, satisfied my appetite. And as soon as I ate that last cookie, the guilt and the shame, and how could I do that, Lord? I work for world relief. I've been to Africa, I've been to India, I have given out food to the starving. I've taken the clothes off my back and given it to those that had none. How could I eat my cookies? I am so sorry. And I showed him the place. And I said, please forgive me. And he said, done! 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 Now let's get on with cutting down the trees. Where'd you lose it? Do you want to apply the power of the death and resurrection of Christ, the power of the cross? Do you want to say you're sorry? Do you want it back? Do you want to make the devil sorry you started the mess in the first place? Or do you just want to eat the cookies? Pray with me. I want a quiet moment. So seldom do we get quiet moments. I want you just to shut out everybody and everything and perhaps climb into my prayer or use your own. Father dear, I have lost my edge and I want to show you the place. I want to be honest. And I hear your spirit saying, where did it fall? Go there, right now. You can do that. And in that place of failure, in that place of self-indulgence, in that place of bitterness, in that place where you lost that edge, that place of anger, whatever, just say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry I grieved you. I'm sorry I caused your heart pain. I feel it in my heart. I know you only want the best for me. Please restore our relationship, yours and mine. And Lord, if I have to make restitution, if I have to forgive, if I have to write a letter or call someone, give me grace to be obedient, to keep my promises to you. Send me out with hope, with joy that I forgot what it feels like just with all the things you promised me when I walked well before you, obedient, clean. Give me another chance. For your sake, in your name, and the blessings of God the Father, and the love of Jesus which passes knowledge, and the power of the Holy Spirit, be with all of us now and forevermore. Amen. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Before we go, remember that when you give this month to keep telling the truth broadcast like this one going out around the world, we'll send you Stuart Briscoe's six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World, to help you understand how God's Spirit works in you to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter your circumstances. 
So call now to give and remember to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World with our thanks. 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Thanks so much for joining us today. Come back next time and experience life with more biblical teaching from Stuart and Jill Briscoe right here on Telling the Truth.